0: Hello and welcome to Sweden in Focus, the local's weekly news podcast. We are recording this episode on Thursday the 22nd of February and this week we're going to talk about how Sweden will change when it's in NATO, why the country has an annual book sale every February and what books you should be looking out for and what you need to know about pensions in Sweden. For Membership Plus subscribers, we'll also be covering why a Swedish-American Hollywood wife is all over the news this week. And we have a lot more details about the plans for new work permit rules that we touched on briefly last week. A big thank you to everyone who has already upgraded to Membership Plus. Your support is going to enable us to further expand our podcast coverage. And if you haven't yet upgraded but would like to get the full-length episode, you can follow the relevant link in the episode notes for a 40% discount. I'm Paul O'Mahony in Stockholm, and I'm joined this week from Malmö by our regular panellists, Emma Lovegrain and Richard Orange. How are things with you first, Emma?
1: They're pretty good, Paul. Thanks. All good with you, Richard.
2: Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Apart from um, my wife tried to drive up to uh, Uppsala over Sportluv, um, and our car broke down in Värnamo. So I'm gonna have to spend the weekend trying to rescue a non-functioning car <laughs> from deepest moorland. It's Värnamo. What? Va? Värnamo. is what it is. Yeah which will help when I try and rescue the car. Yeah, but that, that's the only—that's <laughs> the big drama for this week.
0: I'm hearing rumours that it's already spring down there in Malmö. Is that true? Because it's not really the case here in Stockholm yet.
1: It is true. It's officially true. It's been uh, declared true by SM Hoy, the Swedish weather agency. Meteorological spring has officially arrived and temperatures stay above freezing for a week in a row. So that's the case it's going to now. And even all the way up to Gothenburg.
2: Does it feel like spring,
0: Richard, do you think?
2: No, I I thought this was absolutely ridiculous claim when Becky and Emma were were making it earlier in the week because it's just been freezing rain. It's been horrible down here, but...
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
2: When they mentioned it, I went out in the little courtyard outside our house and the first flowers of spring have indeed started to sprout. They haven't actually, don't have flowers on them, but it's probably a week or so. So, um, yeah, I think there are signs of spring.
0: Okay, cool. And it's moving up the country. So let's start this week with the big news that Hungary looks set to vote on Swedish NATO membership on Monday. Can you tell us about this, Emma? Why is this finally expected to happen? And what's the expected outcome?
1: Well, Fidesz, which is the ruling party, they've put forward the motion for the vote and they're expected to vote in favour because they've said so. So after having waited almost two years, the Hungarian parliament is now expected to ratify Sweden on Monday. And Swedish prime minister of he was to travel to Budapest this week to meet with Viktor Orban. And although Christoson's team has repeatedly insisted that this meeting is not about negotiating Hungary's ratification, it's probably helped to sweeten Orban up a bit because now he can show that he got a meeting with the prime minister. But I think Hungary has also just realised that there's nothing really to be gained for them anymore by putting off this vote any further.
0: Mm. And assuming that Hungary does ratify on Monday, when will Sweden officially become a member of NATO?
1: So first, the Hungarian Speaker of Parliament has to sign the decision. And after that, it has to be flown to Washington, D.C. and be handed over to the U.S. State Department. And when Hungary approved Finland as a NATO member, I think this process took around three days. And all that then remains is for NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg to invite Sweden to present its accession documents to the U.S., And this could be done either by a Swedish representative in Washington or it could be done by handing over the document at a ceremony in Brussels, which is what Finland did. And after that, the flag of Sweden will be hoisted at the NATO headquarters and the country will officially be a NATO member. I don't think they'll want to put it off for too long, so it's probably going to happen in the coming weeks.
0: Okay, and this is obviously something Sweden's military has had a lot of time to prepare for, given how long the ratification process has taken. What will NATO membership mean for Sweden's armed forces?
2: At the most basic level, it means that rather than being responsible for defending Sweden's territory, Sweden's armed forces will be looking to defend the whole of NATO's territory, which will sort of pushed their area of focus and operation right out to, you know, the Finnish border and the borders of the Baltic states and Poland. And in a press release this month, Sweden's armed forces said that Swedish troops would join NATO's forward land forces in Lithuania, which is a kind of deterrent force in the Baltics to prevent Russia, make it to raise the threshold for Russia attacking the Baltics. And to start off with a mechanised battalion from the P-7 regiment down here in Skorna, will be sent out sometime in 2025 to join troops in Lithuania. So that will be the first big posting. There will also, I read, be a big change in how Sweden's armed forces view logistics. Because becoming part of NATO, Sweden becomes a kind of transit and supply country where the front line is likely to be in the event of an armed conflict with Russia, who, let's be honest, is, is the threat here. And so that will mean that there will need to be changes to things like the port in Gothenburg And I need to make sure that roads and rail tracks across Sweden are sufficient to transport, you know, large amounts of troops. And, you know, there'll be need to be bigger military warehouses. And yeah, it would be a cold change to the, the, the way the Swedish armed forces views its logistics. And also joining NATO means that Sweden can rely more on backup from other NATO countries, which will free the country up perhaps to send more weapons to Ukraine. So Defence Minister Paul Jonsson said last week that Sweden might decide to send its um, some of its JAS Gripen fighter planes to Ukraine once the country's properly in NATO.
0: Mm. Yeah, so as you touched upon there, obviously NATO membership will mean that Sweden finally has this Article 5 5- protection sort of one for all all for one. But how noticeable will NATO membership be for people living in Sweden?
1: Well, I mean as Richard mentioned it could mean that Sweden might have to upgrade some of its like roads, railways, harbors to be able to move for example NATO troops also in theory to be able to, you know, move large numbers of people if they have to flee, you know, war. And things like that in theory. But NATO doesn't just focus on the military, they also focus on civil resilience. And this is actually something where Sweden has already one of the countries that have kind of helped influence this even without being a member, because Sweden's Sweden's sort of military defense traditionally has a lot of focus on civil resilience, like having food and water resources, energy supplies, resilient communication systems, and so on. For journalists like us, something that's going to be important is that there may be some different laws of confidentiality that apply to NATO compared to the laws that apply to other aspects of Swedish authorities. And there may also be different laws that apply to people who work for NATO in Sweden and kind of how foreign diplomats, for example, are not bound by exactly the same laws as civilians in Sweden. But uh, I mean, I don't know how noticeable these things will be to the general public. And in any case, they will be noticed gradually. It's not like you're going to Open your window one morning and suddenly everything's different. I think it's also worth noting that Sweden actually already has a pretty close relationship with NATO. So, in a way, it's just stepping up what's already there, kind of.
0: Mm. Okay, thanks both for that summary. And we'll post our links on this to the episode notes and let's see if all goes according to plan on monday and we should also note by the way that um richard's dog is uh, with us in the studio in malmo today so if you hear some noises that's probably what you're hearing
1: millions of people
0: have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds
2: salads generally for most people are the easy button right
0: Bukrian, Sweden's annual book sale. I saw that there were people queuing outside bookshops all over the country at 7am on Tuesday when the sale started. What's the story behind this tradition, Richard?
2: Well, apparently it goes right back to the 1920s. And it was something that, that that the publishers did when they wanted to sort of clear out their stocks of unsold books. So they would put, you know, clear out some of their warehouses of stuff that just hadn't sold at, you know, real knockdown prices. And then it sort of continued over the years. And then I think in in the 30s, it started happening in uh, Louvre, when Louvre started, which is what what we have now.
0: Sort of the, mid- the midterm school holidays. The
2: midterm school holidays. And then it kind of, died out in the 1970s and was revived in sort of the last couple of decades. They sort of came back just as a way of selling lots of books, really. It's kind of like Black Friday for books. Swedes do love, I find, having special days like Semlor Day or Shrove Tuesday where where everybody does the same thing at the same time. It's kind of like... People love that sense of communal action. So I think it's a part of that tradition. But it's kind of like Black Friday for books. I think it's a really nice tradition.
0: It's a really big deal for the publishing industry, isn't it? I remember reading at some point that they sold more books during the annual book sale than in the sort pre-Christmas rush.
2: Really? And you get big discounts, talking discounts of like 50%. And Mm. books can be quite pricey in Sweden. It's a real opportunity to stock up on some Swedish literature, which is the best way of brushing up on your Swedish in a way. It, it is
1: also a little bit where one hit wonders go to die, especially at supermarkets. In my local supermarket, way I walked past the the pile of book sale books the other day and they had you know, copies of Prince Harry's spare selling for like 50 kronor, which is like, what, four euros or something. Spares of spare. Yeah. As my husband said
0: but there are there are some excellent books up for grabs and um, it's not just the ones that they're trying to get rid of i mean i saw for example that last year's august prize winner yavla korra or bloody men by Andre valden is on sale for 50% discount or something like that. Uh, I'm in the middle of reading that at the moment actually and it is
1: brilliant. Are there any swedish books in the sale that have caught your eye, Emma? I mean we talked about sami history the other week and I really want to read stuld or stolen in english by angeliene stadius. It's apparently about the life of reindeer herders, and it also talks about like the darker sides of that story, like police not investigating poaching or killing of Sámi reindeer, and the generational trauma and tensions between Sámi people and other residents in the north. And it's uh, it's also being turned into a Netflix series, which will be released later this spring, so seems like a good time to read it. How about you, Richard?
2: Yeah, I would really like to. I was just browsing what's on sale. And I'd love to read Studia i Menslig beteende Studies in Human Behaviour by Lena Anderson, mainly because I've read her opinion articles, which veer between being really thought-provoking and brave. She'll really say things that no one else in Sweden will say. And, you know, a bit batty. And I'd love to see what she's like as a novelist. And it was also nominated for the August August Prize last year. I'd also like to read Straff or Punishment, which is the new book by Anne Helena Stedius, because I've got I've got Stold sitting on my bookshelf, but I haven't read it yet. And another book I would really like to read is the new book by the journalist Patrick Svensson down here, who wrote this what do they call it? The Book of the Eels. All Evangeliots. All Evangeliate. And he's got a new one which is broader about the whole ocean. And it's called den and the Menequan. I'm not sure what luddande means. Is that plumbing, like plumbing the depths of the sea when you drop the weight and see how deep the water is? Yeah, I think that might be it. It's a lud, yeah. <laughs> <You have laughs> anyway, that good, don't
1: you have this big stick that you sort of? Yeah,
2: with? it's like that. It's like that exactly. Anyway, he's got a new one out about the sea, the deep, and curiosity. And I'd love to see that because the the eel book was really fascinating. I found it really interesting because it was. A mixture of sort of natural history and a kind of poetry you know kind of poetry Mm. about about the mysterious and this way you can see you know new It's it's not just about the sea it's also about curiosity and exploration kind of more abstract ideas and so i'd love to read that
0: excellent so thanks for filling us in on the book sale and we'll put a link in the episode notes to a recent article featuring more tips on swedish language and literature I just want to take a moment now to talk about an episode of Sweden in Focus Extra coming up on Wednesday, in which I chat about proposed new work permit rules with Katharina Bilt-Groppe, is an expert on migration, integration and labour market policy at the Swedish Federation of Business Owners. Let's listen now to a quick preview. It's just not going to work. We work with companies every day that does not find the competence they need. And this has an effect on their ability to grow, to take on new jobs. And this affects the whole business life. And the biggest challenge for these companies today is that they don't find professional skills. And now they're taking away one possibility for the business owners to find these employers, I just don't understand how they think, how they do the math, how it's going to work. That was Katarina bildt and we'll have that full interview for Membership Plus subscribers on Wednesday. Let's move on now to pensions. And this is the time of year when a big orange envelope comes through your door and if you're like me, you pretend that it never happened and push it under a pile of newspapers until it goes away. But is this something I should be paying attention to, Emma? What?
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
0: Is the big scary orange envelope trying to tell me?
1: It's not that scary. It's not your tax declaration and you don't need to do anything to like act on it. It's just a statement containing information about your pension so you can see how much you earned towards your public pension during the last declared tax year so that's uh, actually going to be 2022 since taxes for the year 2023 haven't been declared yet and it shows your what's called your pensionable income din pensionsgrundande inkomst and how much you've earned towards both your income and premium pensions and it doesn't actually show the occupational pension, which is provided by many employers in Sweden, or any private pension that you're saving towards. So it's not its not a complete picture. You kind of need to have either a pretty decent occupational pension or your own private pension savings to be able to actually get a good pension when you retire. So you shouldn't just rely on the pension that's provided by the state. I mean, I would probably think of the orange envelope more as a sort of reminder to make sure that you are actually building up your pension. And if you're not yet, start setting some money aside and investing in the right funds. Or you can do, just do what I do and throw it in the recycling and forget and move on. <laughs>
0: Okay, thanks, Emma. That actually does make it seem a lot less ominous. Now, I moved to Sweden before I had a chance to build up pension savings elsewhere. But for a lot of listeners, that's not the case. People may have worked in another country for 5, 10, 15 years before moving to Sweden, which takes us to a recent question from a reader who asked, is it possible to transfer a foreign pension to Sweden? Uh, Richard, what's the answer there?
2: Well, it is, but it's often not worth it. The transfer of the basic state pension happens more or less automatically. So when you retire in Sweden, you fill in a form and they say, you know, have you worked anywhere else in your working life? And then you give them the years that you did so and your sort of national insurance or national identity number. And the Swedish pensions agency just then gets in touch with their counterpart in the other country and kind of sorts it out. If it, That's if it's a country where there's a pension agreement, which there is for a lot of countries. Especially in the EU and also with the UK, with occupational pensions, it's much harder, and there is only two pension managers in Sweden who will hold a foreign occupational pension for you. So that's Nordia and Future Pension, and Future uses two financial advisors, Max Mattisson and Söderbergen Partners, as their agents. So you can't just go to Future Pension; you need to go through Max Mattisson, or you need to go through one of the advisors, and they sort it out for you. And they can transfer both defined contribution pensions, which is where what you get is based on what you put in, and defined benefit pensions, which is where they guarantee a certain payout. But if you transfer a defined benefit pension to Sweden, it gets converted into a defined contribution pension. So it's not always a good idea to do it. And also a guy I spoke to at Max Matissen said that some foreign pension managers with defined benefit schemes, which are pretty rare, but like the National Health Service in the UK, won't transfer them to Sweden as it's just such a bad deal for the person doing the transfer that they won't let you do it because you will lose so much money you stand to lose so much money and that's the, that's the basics really you go to one or the other and you know there are advantages to doing it in that you've got all your money in one place it's safer in the event that you know something like brexit happens you know the european union breaks down or something happens that means that you can't access your pension but as it is at present it's probably if you're retiring now you're probably better off leaving it in the of the country and just just transferring the money over when it comes in.
0: Okay, thanks for that, Richard. And we've got lots of articles about pensions on the site, including one answering questions on how to plan your Swedish pension that we'll include in the notes. That's all for this week's free edition of Sweden in Focus. If you'd like to hear a full-length version of the podcast each week, as well as an additional midweek episode with more interviews and analysis, please upgrade to Membership Plus. Make sure to check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade. Sweden in Focus is a podcast by the local Europe. Our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. The publisher is James Savage.